0: Welcome to this week's virtual drasha. I want to begin by thanking Jeremy Diamond for dedicating the drasha this week in of the yartzeit of his father, Mr. Abe Diamond Zichronu Levracha Avram Tzvi Ben Pesach Hillel. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nesham will have an Aliyah and the family a nechama. We have the incredible privilege this week to read parshas Beshalach, and in parshas Beshalach we read the incredible story of Yitzias Mitzrayim, the Exodus. Now, although really the Exodus happened in last week's parsha, the end of parshas bow, but it's really in this week's parasha that we read about what I'll call it the concretization, right? The, the, the Exodus is concretized, it's solidified in this week's parasha with the splitting of the sea, the Jewish people emerging on the other side, and the waters coming crashing down on the Egyptians. That marked, really marked the end of Egyptian servitude for the Jews saw the downfall of their former masters. But in the moments before the sea is split, I think are some of the tensest moments in the entire Torah. The Jewish people, the nation of Israel, lose it. They look behind them, they see the pursuing Egyptian army. They look in front of them, they see the raging sea. And so they turn on Moshe. They turn on Moshe, what did you do? You, you sold us a fake dream, sold us a bill of goods. We, you told us we were going to take us out to be free. Destiny, Eretz, Yisrael, Torah, all beautiful. And now we're going to die. We're going to die right here by the banks of the Red Sea. This is why you took us out to die in the desert. It would been better to die in Egypt. So they're losing it. And Moshe Avinu tells them, Hashem Yilachem, V'Atem Stop, stop, stop. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Hashem will fight your battles. You be quiet. And then Hashem says something amazing to Moshe. why are you crying out to me? Daber Bnei Yisrael Tell the Jewish people to move forward. And then he goes on, Va'ata harim ismat, you raise your staff. This is in Parak chapter 14, verse 15. Extend the staff on the, uh, upon the sea. You'll split the sea and the people will go, will go into the sea, and the seabed will become dry land. And there's, a very, there's something very bothersome about this exchange. When Hashem says to Moshe, Mati Why are you crying out to me? When you read those words, it almost appears as if the Rebun O'Shal Olam is upset with Moshe for his supplication, for his prayer, for his reaching out, for the dialogue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And why would Hashem be upset? Moshe Rabbeinu is in charge of a million, millions of people. He also sees the Egyptians in front and the sea in front, the Egyptians in back, excuse me, and the Jews in front, and, sorry, and the sea in front. So why can HaKadosh Baruch Hu get upset? At Moshe Rabenu for going ahead and crying out. So Rashi explains that Hashem's not really upset, but Hashem was saying is, listen, Moshe, you yourself just said it. Hashem Yilachem, You just told the people, guys, calm down. God's got this. He's got your back. He's gonna fight the battle. So Hashem is telling Moshe, just like you told them to calm down, I'm telling you to calm down. Just walk. Just go. You know exactly what you have to do. But still, the Peshuto Mikra. When you read the words of the Pasik, it still, to me, it comes across as bothersome. It comes across as difficult that you almost see HaKadosh Baruch Hu getting upset at Moshe Rabbeinu for reaching out in dialogical connection, for reaching out in tefillah, for supplicating, for asking for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's help and guidance and how we to understand the divine response to Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah? You know, this past week, on the 14th of Shvat was the yard site of the Pineyoshua. Yoshua. Rav Yaakov Yoshua Falk lived from 1680 to 1755 and was one of the great rabbinic personalities of his generation. He served as the Rav in Lvov, then in Berlin, in Metz, and ultimately in Frankfurt. And the Pineyoshua, known by the name of the Sefer is a seminal work on the Gemara, combining various earlier sources, often with a with a focus on trying to bring the halacha, trying to bring the final conclusion. It's, it's an expansive work on Shas. And in the introduction to the Pnei Yoshua, the author, Rav yakov Yoshua Falk, discusses why he wrote this if you know a lot of times when we when we're reading something and we often like gloss over the introduction you want to get to the meat and potatoes you want to get to the book but it's interesting because introductions often contain first of all a little bit about the author and also sometimes tell you about the motivation the author had for writing the particular work so Rav Yaakov Yahshua Falk the Pnei Yoshua, tells the story which inspired this seminal work and he writes about his follows. he says I was it was one day he describes that day was the third of Kislev. The year was the Hebrew year was 5463, which translates into the year November 23rd, 1702. So on November 23rd, 1702, the Pnei shows says he was living in Lvov, says I was sitting in my base Medrash and life was good. Life was serene. Everything was beautiful. Lavav was a bustling community. The P'nei Yishua was the Rav. Rav Yaakov Falk was the Rav. He was married. He had a child. Everything. He had Talmidim. He had students. He had a yeshiva. He gave sheer. Life was beautiful. Life was serene. And then he writes, Upesa pisom. But then suddenly, haissa meir My city became reduced to rubble. Now, what he's referring to is that in the city of Lvov on November 23rd, 1702, there were a number of warehouses of gunpowder. Somehow a fire started and the warehouses exploded and caused multiple explosions and fires throughout the city, almost decimating the Jewish city at that, at that particular time. And the Pnei Yeshua writes, I'm sitting in my base, everything is wonderful. And then I hear a series of explosions. To the point that even the building in which the Pnei Oshua was learning in collapsed. And the Pnei Oshua describes the events of that day. He says, on that day, November 23rd, 1702, I lost my wife. My wife passed away. My in-laws, my wife's parents passed away as well. And he writes over here something so gripping. He says, Until tragedy struck my daughter, Hakitana. I had one child, one little daughter, and she was the most precious thing to my wife and I. And she too perished in the fires in Lvov on November 23rd, 1702. And the Rav Yaakov Yoshua Falk then goes on to describe, he said, I was buried beneath rubble and I realized that I cannot survive like this. I had lost so much on that day and I realized that I would not. I probably was not going to survive but I said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you allow me to survive this, if you allow me to get out of this circumstance, I make to you the following promise. If you are with me, I'm reading to you from the introduction of the Pineoshua. Yoshua and you, you save me from this place, the Pnei Yoshua says, I promise you I'm going to devote my life to Torah, I'm going to learn, I'm going to teach and listen to what he writes and I am going to go ahead and produce a work I will produce a work on the entire Talmud that will go ahead and survey all of the opinions and ultimately try to bring these discussions to a l'maysa, to a practical conclusion, a halachic conclusion. This was the promise that the Pnei Yeshua made while being buried under rubble, November 23rd, 1702, in the city of Lavav. And he said, no sooner did I finish uttering that promise that I heard above people beginning to remove the rubble beginning to remove the rubble and after a couple of hours I was extracted from the rubble and miraculously intact. He had lost so much that day. He lost Talmidim. He lost his base Medrash. He lost his wife. He lost his precious daughter. But he emerged from that rubble with a renewed purpose. Purpose to change the face of Klal Yisrael, to do something that had never been done before. And after he cleared away, wiped away his tears, he set out on his new mission. And I've always been struck by this introduction because I feel it's an incredible metaphor for life as well. Because often we feel buried under the rubble of life. I feel like life is bearing down on me. My circumstances feel so overwhelming and so difficult and I can't catch my breath. And there's Saras and there's all this stuff. And I just I just feel buried, just buried underneath the rubble of life. So what do you do when you're buried underneath the rubble of life? What What do you what do you do? There's a choice. You could close your eyes and just drift away. You could give up, you could give up. And sometimes it's very enticing to give up because the rubble is so heavy. And it's so difficult to breathe. And I feel like there's a million pounds sitting on my chest. And so sometimes the natural thing almost feels like just give up. Just close your eyes. Just give up. Or a person could say no. Although the rubble is heavy, the burden is heavy. And I feel overwhelmed. There are things I have to accomplish. There are things I have to do. And I promise that if I find a way out of this trouble, if I find a way to navigate out of these circumstances, I'm going to accomplish A and B and C. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not closing my eyes, because I have a life to live. I have things to do. I have contributions to make, and I have change to effect. The Pnei chose the second approach. After everything he lost, he could have also closed his eyes and allowed his neshama to drift into Olam Haba. He could have done that. But he chose instead to fight. He chose instead to resist succumbing. He chose instead to make a kabbalah, to make a promise about how to move his life forward even after all of or even after the rubble claimed so much from him. And perhaps this is what our Baruch Hu saying to Moshe Rabbeinu. You know Moshe Rabbeinu is standing at the banks of the Red Sea. And he's crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to save us? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu, one second, why are you crying out to me? What am I going to do? What are you, you, capital Y? What are you, HaKadosh Baruch going to do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says Moshe, I have a better question. What are you, lowercase y, Moshe Rabbeinu? What are you going to do? You see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu realized that Moshe in that moment was in a state of what we call you know, a certain, we we'll call crisis paralysis. Right? Sometimes we encounter crisis, we're, we're buried the, underneath the rubble, and we become paralyzed. I can't get out of this. There's nothing for me to do. There's no way out. There's no strategy. Moshe Ben was a shtickle paralyzed. He was paralyzed. He's crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what should I do? What should I do? Or better yet, he was saying to Baruch Hu, what are you going to do? How are you going to help me? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, take a deep breath. Save your breath. Don't, don't, don't yell at me. Don't cry out to me. Don't even dive into me right now. Because the question you should be asking is not, what is God going to do? The question you need to be asking, Moshe, is what is Moshe going to do? What is Moshe going to do? And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Baruch Hu models for Moshe. The right approaches. Because if you look at the next Pesach, he says, Ve'ata Moshe. So let me tell you, because you're, you're a little bit paralyzed. So let me tell you what you need to do lift up your stick, extend your hand, over the sea, and split the sea. It's almost as if Hashem says it to Moshe so matter-of-factly. You're asking me, "God, what are you going to do?" No, Moshe, that's the wrong question. In crisis, the question to ask is not, "What is God going to do?" The question to ask is, "What am I going to do?" When I'm buried underneath the rubble, what am I going to do? Rabbi Yaakov Yosho'afo'g zeche the Kaddish of the Pine Yoshua lost everything, buried underneath the rubble. Obviously he can't save himself, so that he needs the Kaddish Baruch to save him. But in that moment when he's buried underneath the rubble, he doesn't ask God, what are you going to do for me? He says, God, let me tell you, if you help me get out of this, here's what I'm going to do for you. And so as Moshe Rabbeinu stands at the banks of the Red Sea, and he's asking for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are you going to do? Kaddosh Baruch Hu says, no, ma lie. The Wrong question, Moshe. In times of crisis, don't ask what God is going to do. Ask what Moshe is going to do. Ask what I am going to do. Don't ask what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to do. And I think this presents for us such an incredible lesson. So first of all, when we find ourselves buried underneath the rubble of life, it is natural to feel paralyzed. It is natural to feel powerless. I have no options. I have no abilities. There's no way to navigate out, but it's not true. If the Pineyoshua could be a forward-thinking individual after having lost so much and literally, not metaphorically, literally being buried underneath the rubble, then when we are buried underneath the rubble of crisis in life, we have to be like the Pnei Yoshua as well. And it's not about what God could do. You know, so many times in life we encounter crisis and our automatic like, like default is, okay, here's what I need everyone to do in order to extricate me from crisis. I need God to do this. I need my spouse to do this. I need my sibling to do this. I need my kids to do this. I need my Rebbe to do this. I need the custodian to do this. I need the mailman to do this. If everybody does their part, then I can be extracted from the rubble of crisis of life. And it doesn't work that way. Don't depend on other people to extricate you from your crisis. If you want to be extricated from the rubble of life, don't ask what other people are going to do for you, but ask what you are going to do for yourself. Do we have a right to ask G-d Baruch Hu for assistance? Of course. And all of us are wise enough to know that no matter how much effort you put in a life, nothing ever comes to fruition or is actualized without the Ribano Sheolam, without Siyad Dishmaya, without divine providence and assistance. But sometimes we use God as a little bit of an escape. Sometimes we put all of the responsibility on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's all the Olam. Of course, in a theological sense, everything is all the Olam. But the irony of ironies is that so many times when we lift our eyes heavenward and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are you going to do for me, the Olam is like nodding his head and he's saying, no, wrong question, wrong question. You shouldn't be asking what I, God, am going to do for you. You need to be asking what you are going to do for yourself when you are buried underneath the rubble, when you are buried underneath crisis, when you are overwhelmed by difficult circumstances. Don't let them paralyze, but ask yourself one simple question. What are you going to do to extricate yourself from those challenges and from those difficulties? And if we find the courage to do so, it's amazing. Something amazing happens. The sea splits, the rubble is removed, and we find ourselves in the position to accomplish something great. Wishing everyone a wonderful day and a good nerve Shabbos.